Welcome to How We Scaled It for Design Teams, a show that explores the journey through the arduous road of growing a successful design practice. As I mentioned, and Diego mentioned earlier, my name is Adam Perlis. I'm the founder and CEO of Academy. We're a UX staffing and recruiting agency. And today I'm joined by Alex Schleifer, uh, former head of design at Airbnb. Welcome, Alex. It's great to be here, Adam. Thanks for having yeah, me. Thanks. Yeah, thanks so much for coming, Alex. We really appreciate it. So excited to chat with you today. I'm going to give a little bit of a preamble to your story. Uh, you know, Alex has an incredible story to tell, really. Despite dropping out of high school, he went on to found his own successful design agency before making his way to Airbnb, where he was tasked with scaling design teams at one of the fastest growing startups in history. And over the next few years, Alex led the design team through some of the company's most significant periods of growth. And during his time at Airbnb, Alex faced many challenges, but he was always able to find a way to solve them. From building out a robust design team to establishing a strong design culture, Alex played a critical role in Airbnb's continued success. And today he shares his story and offers valuable insights into what it takes to scale a design team and overcome the obstacles that arise along the way. Alex, I'm so excited to chat today. You and I have known each other for several years now, uh, had many, many conversations. Um, but to give the audience a little bit of context about you and also the design team that you manage, can you share how large the team was actually at Airbnb through its different growth spurts and the teams you managed? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for that intro. That's, uh, it's quite a trip to hear that. It makes me sound really good. So uh, love it. Uh, I, uh, uh, yeah. So how large was the team? Um, it was, you know, I was at Airbnb for six years when I joined the team was 35 people and it was very, very much, uh, uh, you know, interface design and, and, um, UX research team, right. It was very contained. Um, but as it grew, um, more and more departments got put under, the umbrella of design, right? Uh, all the way to uh, folks designing the environment, the offices, um, the localization teams. Um, so we really took a kind of a broad brush and look at whatever was the customer experience. Um, and so, so that grew. And and you know, it's it's hard maybe to tell from the outside, but Airbnb was a pretty complicated company, and there were folks designing interfaces that most people never see, right? For 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 managing um, taxes, you know, interfaces that governments use, all, all, all sorts of things. So at some point, the, the team was, you know, well over 600 people um, across the globe. Um, and, and, you know, that also included engineers and, and systems design people and, um, and uh, you know, a, a teams in China. Um, so it was a pretty big team, um, but it's, you know, it, you know, the way we define design was pretty broad, like I said. So we wow. went from what? 35 to 600 and something. So uh, that was that was quite a trip. <laughs> that's that's incredible. I, I mean, I'd imagine, you know, with a company that's pretty was pretty focused on somewhat of a singular uh, group, you know, which was like helping people find an, an amazing, you know, apartment or, or kind of hotel to stay in uh, and connecting those individuals to then, of course, launching experiences like a 600 person design team is, is quite large. Um, I, I wonder if there are 
really any companies outside of like the Googles and the Apples out there that have such a large design team. Yeah, no, I mean, it varies, um, varies a lot, you know, uh, it, it depends, it depends how they're structured. Uh, we felt that it was mm -hmm. important to have, um, you know, the art department, as we call the, the creative teams, the photo teams, we had a pretty active production capacity that was all fell under design. And we felt that, you know, at least at that stage within the company that everything that touched a cus customer or like one of our stakeholders um, could exist under, you know, a single umbrella so that we would build stuff that felt right, right? That it wasn't kind of these disparate uh, productions going on that didn't feel connected. Um, and so, you know, the, the work and the, the, the reviews that we would do to look at where things were in the product were oftentimes just linked to the same review where we'd look at an ad and it would be done by a very, you know, by, by a group of people that would talk to each other every day, which I think was really good. So, you know, I'm sure that if you kind of reorganize a lot of these companies, those numbers would start looking similar. We did have, you know, a large team. Um, um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know. I have, a, I have a little bit of a, uh, um, conflicted relationship with the size of teams i think oftentimes you know you know a lot of design teams are too big um, mm -hmm. um uh, depending on the size of the surface right so i always try to look at like how big of a design surface is there within the product and how many people do you really want to put on that uh, that's one thing and also you know there were changes in technologies and and things like that that required more or less designers right i'm you know in in the beginning where we didn't have things like figma uh you uh, you need a lot more production designers um uh but then you know figma kind of streamlined some of those processes i would say um yep. and also but at the same time as you have more platforms android ios ipad depending on how many platforms you want to you know at some point we had an apple tv app yeah, at some point you kind of need teams to manage a lot of these things so so the teams can scale. Um, but it's important to look at scale as just not something you have to reach, but like do it very intentionally. And uh, I think the last 10 years in Silicon Valley, there's been a lot of scaling up without without a lot of intention at, at times. So, so, yeah, so just a caveat. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I think, you know, making sure you're scaling at the right times to the right uh, size of team that meets kind of the opportunity your company has at that moment is really, really important. And as like you, in particular at your role at Airbnb, I'm sure you've dealt with this in many of the companies that you've worked with. Um, mm -hmm. Like, how did you know when the right moments to scale were? You guys were aggressively growing and, um, you know, what was maybe the smallest team you had? And then when you first maybe started, and then what was the next period of growth that you went to from there and then so on and so forth? Well, maybe, I think it would be, I would love to talk about also the times where I didn't get this right. And I, I can tell you. Sure. I think that would be even better. Right. So, <laughs> I mean, I think it's pretty easy, especially in a boom cycle, to get a lot of budget and a lot of um and nearly like this kind of this you know arms race for a better term to hire people right so all of a sudden you go to south by southwest and 
Oh, am I frozen? Uh, I can see you. All right. Or you are, Sorry. your audio is going, but now you are uh, frozen from a video standpoint. yeah I, I the the video will be fine once we upload it I'm, I'm i'm very sorry if uh my my you know i'm i'm in uh deep in sonoma uh wine country over a starlink so blame elon for for many things but <laughs> including that um i uh i uh uh let me talk about some of the things i got wrong because i think like i said i think in a boom cycle you get a lot of um you get people get a lot of incentive to hire a lot of people all the way down to, and I'm not saying this is what happened at Airbnb, but hearing from the people that were working in, in the industry, you know, VCs tracking success by how many people you hired, right? Which is ironic because now they're tracking it by how many people companies fire. So, you know, it, you know, it depends. Uh, or, uh, or, uh, you know, like feeling that there's this arms race and, you know, you go to South by Southwest and Facebook has this three-story container setup with live DJs trying to hire everyone. And you're like, oh crap, if we don't, if we don't hire, you know, nobody's going to work for us. Um, and so there was this really kind of act, like a lot of activity around that and it kind of forced you to hire people. And I think a lot of times, uh, sometimes hire people without a, a clear role in mind for where they would sit, you know, uh, and 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 thinking of people like well we need a bench of people to just be there in case the work uh, load becomes higher and I think you should always watch out for that because you know we we might be more in more of a bust cycle now but this is a boom and bust industry and it, and things will change and so just to keep that clear headedness uh, in the back of your mind but personally um, um, where where I think I made mistakes is um, that as the team grows you need more layers as more layers grow, you create more and more structures. So you start having more managers and, um, and so you start hiring people as managers um, and you have less individual contributors within the team making as part of the makeup of the team. And that creates this tension where a lot of the individual contributors feel like they had to become managers to progress their careers. You can create a culture of that. That becomes, I think that is something that I wish I had, uh, um, that I wish I had like uh, gotten ahead of, even though we did a lot of work to uh, remedy that, creating a, a very clear path for individual contributors to become successful. Um, I, I think I think getting ahead of that is important because what you don't want to get into is like, you know, all your individual contributors feel like they have to become managers. So then you have to hire more individual contributors and it creates kind of this kind of big hierarchy of people. So, you know, I would do less of, of that, but there was a lot of, of, of growth that happened around that, I would say. Um, and, and then the organization became much more complicated. Uh, the other one is just like, you know, as uh, depending on how the company's organized and Airbnb, like most companies, the organization shifted from being more division-based to, you know, more of a hub and spoke to more of a kind of like a functionally organized. And depending on those cycles, um, you have different demands from different groups within the companies. So there would be, you know, PMs that would come in with a budget, with a list of things that they were doing and say, we need four designers for this team. And you're getting three, you know, 400 requests like this a year, right? That you have to, and and everything looks good on a document, but how long are those designers going to be busy for? Like how, how, like how much continuous development is going into this feature? 
and and how engaging is that feature going to be to work on six months down the line? Uh, so I think a lot of that is is just oftentimes the difficult conversation of having to ask a, a product manager to slow down or maybe work with another team or maybe work with a more centralized team because at the end of the day, if you give you know somebody an authority over a part of the product, they want their own team. And so you start kind of building all these splintering teams. And that, that also kind of can... Um, artificially increase the size of the team in a way that feels, um, you know, I think uh, not productive in the long term. Um, thankfully, there was a lot going on at Airbnb, so we mostly, uh, you know, found stuff for people to do. But I would say that that, that was always a concern. Um, um, but the thing that really kind of made the teams grow for us was a, a clear understanding that we wanted to build like we we wanted to build an an incredible web experience, an incredible mobile experience, um, and and even have a tablet experience. So we 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 weren't just focusing on on one path. We really wanted to be everywhere, and that requires a little bit of a larger team, I think, um, to to maintain that. And then just how global we were, and also how much attention we wanted to put into every single part of the product so that the product would be constantly improving and getting better. So we wanted to always be ahead of the game. Um, so that just told us that we needed to have a really great team and a team of a certain scale uh, to allow for that to happen. Um, and then, you know, and then on top of that, I think we did have a very uh, active production design team you know, we, lots of art assets, lots of photography, lots of stuff like that. And that also like increased that scale. Um, and look, I came from an ideology of working with tiny teams, right? So that was a, a bit of a stretch for me. Um, but, you know, it became apparent, especially as we were in hyper growth, like in those first two years that like we just needed more people. Um, yeah. And that's what happened, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it sounds like, you know, one of the key learnings that you had, you know, as a, as a manager and a, a team leader helping grow this organization was partially expectation setting from the very beginning and being super clear and transparent with people about roles, responsibilities, growth plans. I'd imagine part of that was developing very clear career ladders, um, mm. also, you know, being clear with people in the interview process of what to expect. And then eventually, you know, you got into hiring and retention and all those other things, which kind of flowed from the very beginning of that process. So I want to talk a little bit about the, the fundamental areas of growth. And they're really, you know, foundationally recruiting, hiring, retention, culture, career yeah. growth, mentorship, yeah. company success, and team output. And um, we're going to start with recruiting. You know, um, tell me, like, how do you approach finding and attracting top talent from your team? And how have you, like, how have you managed to um, get around any problems in that process? Uh, I, it, it was, I don't think the process remained, you know, static for any longer than a month, you know, um, you know, I think that in, uh, you know, in developing a team and kind of gr growing that scale, I think that the, 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 in the beginning, it really starts as recruiting is the real challenge. Um, um, and so, 
you know, we, we built up a great recruiting team. Like I think one of the best in the industry. And also we really engaged a lot of the people in the team to become uh, folks that would like kind of culturally represent uh, the organization to say like, hey, working here, this is what working here is like. And we had a very clear set of standards as to who we wanted to bring into the organization. And, um, you know, part of the discomfort, I think, for me was that I uh, always felt that the recruiting process was too fast. Like that, that like you can't really get a sense of someone by just looking at their LinkedIn profile and portfolio. And that's like controversial uh, because, you know, people definitely didn't want to do homework and, you know, nine out of 10 people you were talking to had some sort of exploding offer from Google. And you said, well, we have a week to make that decision. And you don't like, you're like, yeah, well that, you know, we can't make that decision then because, um, there, there's a lot, there, there's not like a, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a complex job. Every company works differently. It's not a particularly, you know, super easy to define, um, set of demands that you have and we really wanted to get the sense of how people worked and how they were thinking about certain problems so it was a we were pushing for a very tactile um interview process which was which was which was tough right which was tough when i mean i mean i'm gonna keep mentioning google and facebook is because they're big enough and they can take the criticism like it's fine but like Mm -hmm. literally it felt like (laughs) there were companies going like you know, having signing bonuses and offers ready with, you know, you know, after a couple of hours. Right. And that, that was difficult to compete against, you know, a lot of times. Um, but I think at the same time, that was like a, a great filtering um, process. And I, you know, every company that I advise now, I say like, you know, spend three times the time hiring one person rather than hiring three people, you know, like, like, like just really like make sure that you're hiring the right person. Um, um, because you know, hiring the wrong people is not going to work. And the wrong people doesn't mean like it's purely based on a skill set. It's like their interests. Like somebody's going to wake up every morning and be excited to work on this stuff. It doesn't work for everyone. You know, you kind of need a little bit of a of time to do that. And the hardest ones were always like the VP and director and executive level who had no time for this stuff. You know, didn't want to <laughs> kind of sit down and 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 talk along a whiteboard and start thinking about that because they were like, you know. Um, uh, to be honest, I think a lot of people thought it was beneath them to do that. Uh, and, uh, because we worked where everybody was, everybody at Airbnb was meant to be, uh, craft focused, including like very senior people. Our process was a lot more tactile, you know, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and started with my interview process. It took me four months. It was it was a pretty wow. <laughs> intense, yeah. intense process. Not that I think that's the right length. I just think you. I just think yeah. that's you know, you just want to hire the right people. I don't know if I if I kind of got away from your original question. No, that was Th- this that was... is great. I I think that um you know first of all uh, a one month uh, you know interview process is actually quite fast. Uh, in the world of interviewing, I, I myself have also been through, you know, three, even six month uh, interview processes at some of those companies that you mentioned. And um, I'm sure many and people it's gotten, in this room have also. Yeah. And it's gotten a little bit more, it's, it's changed over time, right? I think five years ago, things were quite different, but yeah. 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 Well, but, I think the takeaway, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I mean, I think, I think, you know, where, where, so, so, but the process started like, okay, how, how do we, 
you know, in the beginning, it was like, how do we scale a team from, you know, zero to five, right? And that, that's its own challenge, right? Because you, you get the pressure to get to hire really quickly. So you might be not doing the right hires, you know, as you do that. So you should watch that first phase, which is just like building up the team. You want to bring people on that are senior enough to take on some work. Um, uh, and, and, but not, and not too junior. So they don't, they don't need so much oversight. So building that kind of first zero to one team, and it could be like a startup, but it could also be a team within, you know, the organization that needs staffing. Right. Uh, always right. doing that. But then the, the issue quickly becomes like hiring senior leadership, which is like 95% of the calls that I get today for help is how do we hire a senior person? Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure that you hear about that a lot. And so that became a completely different challenge because honestly, I think that the, the pool of people is all over the place from, you know, people who are tired to manage people to people who never want to touch the design again. And you're like, <laughs> and people in between. Yep. So you, it's hard to find what type of person you want for that company. So that was the kind of the yeah. transition. Like the beginning for me was building zero to one. By the end, I was hiring leadership. Uh, and and it was just a completely different set of of, of challenges over time. Yeah, um, I think yeah. that's that's a really critical point, right? Where you know, depending on the stage of company you're in, you're going to have different needs. And one of the things I've heard a lot from a lot of other uh, design leaders is hire you know if you can hire the managers first, right? Don't try to hire junior folks unless you're the direct manager, right? You're a small enough yeah. team that you're yeah. managing these people individually individually yeah. but if your team is scaling hire the managers first and then also focus deeply on the interview process um, and making sure you nail it right so that you can train them to hire also the right people yeah. Um, yeah. so train the managers that's like one of the big lessons i've heard yeah and i think also i mean this is the way i'm calibrated so i know a bunch of people will disagree with that i would I would hire them managers also that had, could be hands-on and do work, right? Like you, you kind of want people to, to cover gaps, right? If there's somebody not doing it, right? And as a team grows, yep. fine, you can step away. You can assign yourself different tasks. But to mm -hmm. me, the way I looked at stuff is always like this kind of kitchen uh, mentality, right? Like the chef can cut the carrots if you know, the person cutting the carrots is not hired yet. <laughs> like, so, so right. you kind of, especially when you're in a startup, like don't <laughs> hire pure managers. Like also if you're somebody who thinks you're just a pure manager, just make sure that you still maintain a kind of base set of skills that allows you to be productive in, in a company. There, there's questions coming in through chat. Do you, do you want, are we, are we here to answer them? Because there's a press. Yeah. So um, we're going to actually, we're going to have time for Q&A uh, yeah, at the end, but um, so chat, um, keep your questions in there. Diego's monitoring. He'll make sure that we, uh, we pull those up, but, but actually Great. some of them are relevant and I'll be kind of dr drumming them up anyways. So um, um, one of the things I, I wanted to kind of just harp on in the recruiting function, because, you know, it's not, it's, it's definitely about developing the interview process and um, kind of expectation setting career ladders. But um you know, another important part of it is not just training your own team, but it's also creating great relationships with your recruiting partners, right? Um, the mm -hmm. people who are out there sourcing people, maybe taking phone screens, getting people in the door and putting them on your desk, um, you know, so that you're freed up to, you know, manage the team and, and move things forward. Um, yeah. Can you tell me what it was like establishing that at, at a place like Airbnb? Oh, yeah, I think the real the the recruiting partners were um, 
critical and the relationship we built with them. And I th I'm pretty proud of how close they felt to the team. And we really took them as, um, as a part of the team, um, uh, considered them as a part of the team. So they would be kind of in, in team meetings. And, and I would also like have regular chats with them, just get them connected to the work that was going on. Because I said, it's important to see how things work here. Um, because I was very, um, you don't want your recruiters to work like a sales team, which is like go sales that meet, meet that quota, but you want them to understand like, you know, it's important that you set expectations because there's a lot of people who are not going to like the way we work here. And a lot of people are going to love it. And you need to in, like kind of be able to start intuiting that from when you meet people, because you're the first person they're going to meet oftentimes. And so it was important for us to, uh, to, to build that and make them feel like a real part of the team. And, and, and also like make them feel proud for the work that they did beyond just that one hire, right? Like I said, I don't want this to be like a sales team. I want like, look at this team you've built, right? You, you're, yeah. you're responsible for this. And, um, and also like be aware of retention, right? Okay, we hired this person, they bounced off after a month. What can we learn from it? Um, so having this kind of much, much more kind of longer term look at, um, at um, the team we we're building and having a really clear understanding of like my, it was nearly more important for the recruiters to understand my philosophy on things than once where people were in the team, because once were people in the team, they would do what they needed to do. So that is super right. important, I think. Did, did you spend yeah. time having to train them on anything or were they, were they already pretty well equipped to understand the field of product design and, and UX? Well, you took time to train. I think a lot of people were, um, pretty good. I think Airbnb attracted, you know, folks that were already, um, interested in, in, in design. Uh, and so, so, you know, lots of very smart people. I think the, the part where you kind of train is more like a specific philosophy as to how we work. Like we are much yeah. more hands-on. Like, I don't want, you know, like I'm going to ask a VP to open Figma and look at a design together. Maybe not create one, but just like, hey, what's going on here? Yeah. Like, what are, let's talk about, I don't know, grids. Um, <laughs> but uh, but in, in general, just like making sure that they're like passionate about, about what we're building. And so it was um, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of training around that and, 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 and mm -hmm. hopefully showing recruiters how you can spot specific kind of traits. Yes. Yeah. I, I love that. And, you know, we talked a little bit before about the importance of developing an interview process. Um, but for the audience, you know, to know, like, how did you guys, um, like build an interview process? What, what was it like? What were the steps involved? And like, how did you get it down to a month? Uh, well, we didn't get it down to a month always, like, honestly, like, and I mm. think our interview process changed so much over the years. Um, and, and a lot of it was like, you don't exist in a vacuum. So you kind of have to adapt to the conditions of the market outside. Right. And, and, you know, like it or not, you know, you kind of, there's a few companies that could just say, this is how we do it. And what, you know, um, and, um, but I, I think that, uh, you know, we, I mean, you know, Airbnb had like, interview like interviewees that would be from outside the design team that was always important so like either stakeholders mm -hmm. or other kind of more cultural interviews uh we would try to match um we would try to be clear and like t 
tell interviewees that they should also set expectations. This is the time to make somebody change their mind. If they've just seen us from the outside and think like, oh, this is a such a magical place to work. Look at these wonderful offices and, you know, look at all these articles that are written about it. But just make sure that you clarify the, um, the you know, the reality of working there, what's difficult, what's not, what's to like, what's not. Um, so, mm-hmm. so our process was really kind of like very um, individually based and we would do that. And then uh, we would try all sorts of different configuration of design exercises and, um, and, um, or, 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 or frameworks where we'd pre- bring people in a room in some sort of group setting and do, um, have a conversation about, about a topic, either on the product or not. We would try like not to, uh, give people a challenge that felt like unfair because they don't have the context. You know, I think sometimes company do like, how would you solve this thing? Well, I don't know. I haven't thought about like two months for you guys. So it's unfair (laughs) to ask me. So we would try to pick like neutral things um, um, uh, or even ask people to pick something that they'd been thinking about and say, Hey, can you run us through your thinking about that? Um, Hmm. And that's, that's how we do it. It would be, uh, uh, and then we would, we would, we would, we would talk about it. Uh, that was it. Yeah. (laughs) And in terms of those design exercises, you know, that's obviously been somewhat of a controversial topic, you know, over the past, I don't know, a few years, I'd say, um, you know, were they mostly collaborative exercises that were done like in the interview process or were those like take home exercises that people would work on and then, then represent back to the teams? We tried both honestly, like depends on the, on when the time was, I think I hate the concept of homework, honestly, and just because people have busy lives. So if you're going to bring them in for a couple of hours, why don't we do it there? But at the same time, we would ask people if they preferred like more time to think about it because you don't want to sure. force people to think like on their feet. Uh, yeah. But you know, like Airbnb was very much an on your feet type company where things moved quickly and and a lot of the design conversations were critiques right so so the founders came from RISD and there's like this idea of a crit like hey tell me why this sucks da 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 you know it's like okay well let me defend it and so kind of getting that's like a little bit of of a taste of what that sparring could look like um Mm. but being fully aware that this person hadn't met anyone before that meeting so it's like you know it's a little bit uncomfortable um so we would be very nice about it I think you know uh, yeah but we, we tried, like, I think homework is always a problem unless people prefer. So what I like to do is, like, say, hey, we're going to have some sort of design exercise and give some choices. Um, yeah. So that's that. Awesome. And in terms of, like, um, you know, we talked a little bit about how um, career ladders are a great way to set up expectations for the people you're hiring. Uh, mm-hmm. And then also throughout their kind of career in in your company uh, that you happen to be working in. And mm-hmm. that kind of leads me to thinking about retention. Um, how do you, you know, make sure that the people that you've hired uh, stay with you and in- continue to enjoy and be passionate about the work that they're doing there? Mm. Um, that, yeah. Rec- rec- the recruiting challenge quickly goes into retention. And that's why I just like as a, as a bridge from one topic to another, I think it's important important for recruiters to feel accountable for retention you know i think it's not just getting Mm -hmm. people through the door it's keeping people in uh however i will say that retention issues are um 
And look, an, an, a natural kind of transition of people around is actually healthy. I was never upset when somebody said that they were going to leave and try something new, like if, if it was for the right reasons, like that's great. Uh, um, and um, But to me, uh, maybe controversial, but I think retention is, is uh, usually when the work is not interesting. Or, yeah. or, or when the work might be interesting, but doing it is so challenging that it doesn't feel worth it. Like, it's not like, you know, I mean, I think there's a lot of programs that are built around retention, around culture, around things like that. But in general, I think people came here to work and, and for and bring the, move their careers forward. And they're not going to leave because, um, you know, there's things missing in the cafeteria or the parties aren't <laughs> fun or whatever. I mean, I think these right. are important if you're hiring young people that you give them some sort of social structure because it helps them meet friends and all that stuff. That's great. But I, I think in most cases, especially in design, it's like, is it interesting? Um, uh, and, and is the, you know, is the environment like, you know, not, is the environment so? Is the work interesting, and is the environment that I'm within like making that work kind of fun to fun to do? And you know, that could be like a toxic yeah. environment, or a shitty manager, or like a, a completely like lack of decision making. You know, like so for me, to, the thing is like I think is it's like designers that leave companies. If you dig into it, it's like well, I didn't really have a surface area I owned. Like you know, I was kind of removing that button left and then moving it back to the right or kind of uh this one this other one is like well we don't have a we don't seem to have a clear direction like nobody seems to be making decisions so i'm idle a lot of the time or i'm doing mm -hmm. work that feels idle even though i make myself busy nothing actually gets released um uh and and so to me like all of these issues uh all of these issues like end up because you have overhired so you don't have enough people uh, or you don't have the right leadership that makes decisions and inspires people to do great work and so these two kind of tensions are usually uh part of that or you know you know it's not right and they find another job and they leave and that's fine right that's fine but i think a lot of time it's just like in tech specifically like the lack of decision making it's like just make a call go move forward the, and, and so instead, we kind of have a tendency to, and that sure, certainly happened at Airbnb too, but um, like, so do you end up having like 30 meetings where everybody has an opinion, nobody makes a call, or you kind of offload all the decision-making to some experiments so that the data can make the decision for you. And at the end of the day, that like saps the energy out of the process. Um, and, uh, and I think people, people leave that. You know, on the extreme end, it's like a, a terrible person manages you, right? Like, like you never yeah. want that. You could be working at McDonald's or where, or in an oil company, or be a fighter pilot. You don't want that, right? Um, yeah. So never, never, never deal with that. But, uh, but structurally, I think it's usually like a structure where decisions aren't made, where too many people are trying to solve the same problem, stepping on each other's toes. And therefore, you don't see yourself getting better or building something that feels meaningful to you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the things I'm I'm hearing are really centered around uh, the people that you work with 
and your purpose in the organization and finding those two things. And if those things aren't present, that's why people leave. It's not because of the fancy coffee in the cafeteria or the fun parties. Um, no. You know, it's giving giving people purpose and great great culture. And that actually kind of leads me into the next cop. Well, you know, I have topic, I have maybe is, sure. Sorry, I have maybe one thing to add that I think I forgot because you know that's maybe the. Mm -hmm. I do think that uh, a lot of people that I've talked to that are happy and excited about their work is because they felt that they were working alongside or for uh, somebody who was inspiring them to become better. Um, and, and, and those are like, and, 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 and so it's, it's just like, like mentorship through, through leadership, right? Where you say like, Oh, this, like their vision was very clear. I didn't always agree with it, but it always gave us a path and it pushed me to do better. And, uh, and, um, and that really helps. Like, you know, you have this person that you kind of, you know, kind of get that inspires you and helps you make decisions and, and, and helps you do things that you might have not tried were you on your own. And I think, I think uh, inspirational leadership is important, which is why I also talk about like why I think, you know, that, that chef kitchen analogy, which is not, you know, perfect, but I think like having somebody that like understands the different areas of, of work and can be kind of somebody that you admire that you work for like try to find that honestly like that's what i always enjoyed and uh what i've you know talking to young designers coming up is like that's what they seek um and so try to be an inspirational leader if you can you you know whatever you know i don't think leadership is saying oh you make you know i'll step away and i'll let you do your thing you know because like hey you've done this for 20 years have you seen something that i haven't seen you know like tell me yeah. your stories i think you should seek that out but um but I, that's just something i i forgot to mention sorry go ahead no that that's okay and actually it's a really important part of the topic um you know one of the things that we used to do at akqa is we had kind of like a buddy program where you would have um like a mentor that would be outside of your department uh, specifically, but maybe like still in, still in like the same discipline, but just not in mm -hmm. the same group as yours. And um, you could kind of talk to them about anything um, and just tell them how things are going and, mm -hmm. you know, help, they'll help you with your career growth and all those kind of things, more like a career coach than anything else. Um, was that something like a buddy program or a mentorship program? Did you guys have anything like that within Airbnb or it sounded like maybe you did? Yeah, we did. We did. We, uh, once again, like, uh, hyper growth companies, uh, kind of, you know, I, I kind of compared them to a lizard, like, you know, they outgrow their skin all the time. And so all the systems you built, like kind of go fly out the window, but we had various mm -hmm. versions of a, of mentorship programs. It's important to have like, uh, uh, so we definitely had a buddy program, like culturally we had mentorship programs. We would try to get, you know, um, folks uh working alongside other folks that 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 could, that could kind of teach them stuff we would also like it was really great when we you know having interns or bringing folks in like that and giving younger designers the ability to be themselves a mentor to somebody who's just starting out you know uh so i would say like try to try to do that uh either at a team level or one-to-one -one individual level you can't always do it at the same scale because you don't you know uh, you know, the teams are all over the place in sizes. So, um, yeah, mentorship is great. 
uh, also seeking out mentors outside of the organization, just like uh, promoting that um, that behavior. I think I think is is great, uh, and um, and uh, and also yeah, highlighting people within the organization that might really benefit a lot from mentorship, um, and to give them access to things and bring them into meetings uh, that you know even just as like. Um, you know, as a way to kind of like uh, immerse people into kind of a process that they might have not been used to. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, it wasn't like, you know, it, it, it kept changing. So I don't have like here the ABCs of how we did it, but uh, there was always some sort of program about creating that. I love the idea conceptually, which is something I never got to do of like an apprenticeship program where mm. you kind of bring people in to learn, you know, like... Um, and 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 really work alongside like craft and learning these things and as you're doing that you also apply yourself and i know internships are a little bit like that but apprenticeship feels much more uh structured around like hey there's a person and you're their apprentice and you kind of make that move forward i never got figured out how to really make that work yeah. properly i, I and, wish uh, yeah sorry I, I wish that uh more companies would consider that because I think the junior designers generally have a, a tougher time breaking into the industry and there needs to be a little bit more of that happening. You need experience. Like that's the whole thing. Like it's hard. Like there's no direct path, right? And the more experience you have, the more stuff you have to show, the more things you've solved, the better you are at it. So bring them in yeah. and give them a bunch of experience. Yeah, sure. You know? Yeah. yeah. And also like Absolutely. make sure that it's like there's some reciprocity there, like that the person that's right the apprentice like is 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 actually like providing some value as well because they're, they're bringing in work and stuff like that. if you can create a structure like that then it would be exciting i think yeah ab absolutely um amazing well we've covered a lot of uh you know kind of the fundamental areas of of growth um one question i was asked to ask you from a, a member from linkedin was a story about the muppets do you have some story about the muppets is that <laughs> ringing Muppets. any bells for you? Uh, yeah, no, I think we had, um, I, I think, uh, yeah, talking about like mentors or people that inspire you, I, I always thought like, uh, um, you know, that it was interesting to look at mentors. A lot of the people that we admire are oftentimes um, problematic, right, over time. <laughs> but I always loved, I always loved uh, talking about, uh, Jim Henson because um, because Jim Henson for me was like somebody who who was like hugely creative but if you look at a lot of the people that worked on things like Fraggle Rock or the Muppets they were they were like this was the best time of my career like this felt like working with Jim was and not because Jim was a genius and we all felt like idiots it's because Jim made us all feel like we could work within an environment and be like you know the best we could be and and I always said, like, oh, I always want to try to aspire to make somebody's, like, time on my team to be the best time of their career, right? Like, I don't know if that will be the case, but you should always aim for that. And and I think uh, Jim Henson had qualities that um, got people to do amazing things and work hard, but feel like they were doing it out of choice rather than out of fear. And... Um, and I think that's great. Like, how can you build a work ethic that's built around passion? Also, 
apparently you never know but apparently he wasn't an asshole which you can't say about a lot of the other people we admire so that's not yeah bad. yeah absolutely well uh, that, that's a beautiful way to uh to kind of wrap this conversation up i want to get a chance to turn to the audience um i believe actually we have a little bit of a live call-in feature that i'd love to test out um if you ooh, do have a question I, I can yeah we, we can try it out if it doesn't work it won't work but please if somebody from the audience wants to try Finding the button. Whoever finds it first gets asked the first question. It's probably on the bottom somewhere. Yeah. There are there. Also, I'm just open the chat and there's a bunch of questions on the chat. Exciting. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I'll give it another 10 seconds. If nobody can figure it out, uh, that's okay. I'll, I'll ask one of these questions uh, that that's I see good, here you, in the chat. That's a good design challenge right there. Yeah. Yeah. Let's oh, see apparently if Riverside no... can figure this out. There's no call-in option on the app, so maybe people are using the mobile app versus the desktop. Oh, that that could be true. That could be mm -hmm. true. Okay, well, um, in that case, I am going to scroll up here. Um, I did see a question from Bad. Uh, sorry, Brad. It's not Bad. Um, that someone had actually noted that they liked the question. Um, so I'm going to re read it. Uh, it says, "What should be in place? Systems, processes, etc. That is critical to attracting onboarding." Um, I'm sorry, people keep chatting and <laughs> it went away. Um, I'll start it over. What should in the uh, what should be in place? Systems, processes, et cetera, that is critical to attracting onboarding and scaling. I apologize, guys. I'm gonna um <laughs> I'm gonna just copy this question and move it into a new place um, because uh, the chat keeps moving. Uh, just a moment. Yeah, take your time. Okay. What should be in place? Systems, processes, et cetera, that is critical to attracting, onboarding, and scaling teams, as well as achieving the quality and consistency of UX you clearly accomplished? Um, well, I think the first thing, uh, just to be honest, um, it is um, always a messy process to get things to look right on the other side. So there, I don't think there's any systems that you can have in place that make this um, great. I, uh, you know, our, our process at Airbnb was really based on a lot of um, workshops and design crits and reviews, like where we would be in the room and just talking about the design, right? And looking at the thing, right? That was important. It wasn't just a meeting about what we were going to build. Like those, we would try to make them as quick as possible. But then as we were building a lot of check-ins and, and that could have been, um, um, you know, kind of why some of these things came out the way they did. That being said, I think what you need in place is just to understand, like I said, I talk about surface area a lot. It's very easy to hire someone without them having a clear surface area to work on. And sometimes we get a little bit confused because when you're building an app, the engineering component of it can go very deep. There's a lot of different layers of engineering that you can put like from the UI layer, but all the way to the, you know, server uh, uptime and, 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 and the improvements that you can do. So you can build a pretty deep engineering team, but designers really handle a, a lot of kind of the, the human computer interface surface, right? Which is actually like a finite set of, you know, to, you know, to simplify it, a finite set of screens and, 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 and patterns. And at some point you need to look at like, how many of those do we have to designers uh, because I think it's important for people to work on something engaging and then keep, that they can keep trying to improve. And sometimes we, uh, sometimes like they, like you might hire someone, you don't have a clear sense of what they're going to be working on. 
doesn't have to be forever, but I think the first 100 days are important. That person lands. What are they doing for the first 100 days? Because I do really believe that people get the most engagement out of the work that they do. Like everything else is great and, and a bonus, but if they do work that they feel is making them better, is making them think, is giving them a challenge, is, is leading towards something interesting. So like make sure that you have those 100 days like of work filled and whether or not there's like systems in place or, you know, th some people have design systems that are really organized. Some people, and we had a whole thing where people would come in and they would train and stuff like that. Those are all great, but they come like way later. You know, like, like those are bonuses. The most important thing is to know like, all right, welcome. Here's who you're going to work with. Here's what you're going to work on. Here's a goal. Here's what we're, we're, what we're doing. That's the, by far the most useful thing to do. And those first hundred days are critical. Awesome. Um, I've got a live comment from Brandon. I'm going to accept this and let's see how this oh, goes. Oh, great. Um, essentially my question as I posted, thank you so much, Alex and Adam, for putting this together. It's great. And Eric just asked an amazing question, so I want to get to that one too. But uh, I'm at an agency. I'm not in-house at a large organization. So my question is, as you scaled for your first five, then your next 500, it seemed like it was tied to the growth of the company as a whole. Do you think that there's there are parallels for agencies when we're doing consulting work and we're not embedded inside of an organization? Or are they just super radically different? I'm, I'm trying to scale and grow my team right now, and it seems to be directly tied to the amount of work coming in. But I'm, I'm curious if there are other factors at play that parallel between in-house and agency work. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I started my career in an agency. Partially it's because, you know, nobody was hiring designers back then, so... I made, <laughs> I made my own company. Uh, I, uh, I think, uh, you know, agencies uh, suffer a little bit from the finite nature of the projects. So there is no maintenance cycle. Like technically in a, in, a, in a traditional tech company, any feature you build is going to be maintained over time. If you're not maintaining it, you're sunsetting it, you're turning it off at some point. And so that gives a lot of room for, you know, more junior folks to come in and take over maybe the maintenance or like kind of like iterative improvements of certain products. So it gives like a lot of longevity to, to the team. And because uh, agencies um, customer base ebbs and flows and there's different cycles, like it's a lot harder to build, you know, to be, um, how do I say, like to, to kind of predict what, what scale the team's going to be at. But I do think uh, uh, I prefer functionally organized organizations. I prefer centralized groups of people that work together because I think you all benefit from each other. And the one thing I like about agencies sometimes is that you have a central group of people and then you can assign individuals to different projects, but in the end they kind of come back together and you can build a lot of flexibility into that. So what I think, you know, the, 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 the best way to grow an agency is to have like a, a, a tighter group of like really strong individuals that like working on a lot of different stuff uh, that can then kind of go and tackle these different challenges because you know that they're finite and they're going to, that they're going to last three, six, nine months. Um, and so with that, like, I would actually say that like, I like organizing companies more like agencies where you have folks that can move into a project uh, 
at the right time and then move back to a to a central structure if that makes sense so i don't know if that answers your question but uh yeah yeah cool thank you so much brandon i'm going to move to um eric as one of the last questions i'm going to just um, boot you from the stream for a second all right um so um eric i don't know if you have the live call-in feature but feel free to call in if not i can read your question all right, I will, I'll read it unless you chime in. Um, so uh, Eric had asked, got plus one in the channel as well. How did design and product work together at Airbnb? What was the relationship like? Uh, well, <clears throat> Airbnb, we were trying to make sure that people um, worked with this kind of first team mindset. Like my partners, my team wasn't, uh, the design team, my team was the executive team, and that included the engineering partner and the marketing partner and the, and the product manager. It's like Joe Zade at the time and our CEO. Like we were kind of working as a team, and then we all had a group of people that worked for us, and we try to apply that to everyone. So I think, you know, for me, like that's always a, just a nice framing. Say, hey, you're, you're, you're a design manager on this team. Your team is actually the person that sits next to you. Like you have a group of people that, uh, and so not to create these, I like functionally organized, but not like uh, functionally tribal, you know, if that makes sense. <laughs> like, because, because at the end of the day, you're kind of working together. Um, so it went really well, I think. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how you structure the company. You can go this far by structuring the company a certain way, et cetera. There's two things that absolutely need to be done is like understanding who makes decisions, Right. And what type of decisions, creating an environment for you to butt heads, right? Like me and, and our head of product, like we had like a very healthy amount of like conversations and arguments because we allowed ourselves to do that, that would hopefully end up in decisions being made. Because to me, like the thing I'm the most allergic to is like when a decision is not made, like you get most times you get 10 choices. Five of them are correct. Five of them are, are wrong. Just pick one of the five correct ones and move forward because there's an entire team waiting. And so that's what we would try to do. Uh, that being said, just like be very aware, PMs, like designers, but PMs will come from different companies and operate completely differently with a completely set of expectations. So there were rooms of PMs. They might have been from Amazon, maybe not maybe from other companies where they would just not listen to their design partner. Like it was not interesting to them to have that conversation. Right. And, and they would come in from all different types of organizations that had just different ways of doing things that we needed to have a conversation about. And I think that's why I would say like, if you ever stuck on anything, escalate, you're stuck for 24 hours on anything with your PM partner, or your engineering partner, or whoever escalate immediately, because I'm not going to mm -hmm. come in and like, yell at anyone that's not how it's going to work but i'm just going to explain like see what where the tension lies because a lot of the times that's kind of this thing where you know like somebody's really passionate about something and somebody's passionate about another thing and and they're trying to make it work and it doesn't work so um so that's where i think leadership can step in so if you're stuck it could be 48 hours whatever you feel like uh just make sure that I, because pms are going to be from all over the place and they're going to behave in all sorts of different ways. Oh, what I mean by escalate, I just saw the message pop up. Uh, you escalate upwards. So like in this case, like, like, you know, if you feel I was, I actually at some point told that in all hands, if anybody feels like you're waiting on an answer, 
you can't make a decision, you know, bring it up to me, you know, or bring it up to your manager. Right. And, and, and if you kind of get into that thing, because the, 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 the worst thing in companies is when we don't make decisions as leaders, that's the worst thing to do. It's okay to make the wrong decision sometimes, but like it's this lack of decision or changing your mind or then having a meeting with 30 people. And, and you know what, like what happens a lot is that leaders like offload the decisions to the people on their team, which I also think sometimes is unfair. What if it, people get paralyzed by what if it's wrong? We're going to spend a lot of money. We're going to lose a lot of money. So, so just be ready to make, just be ready to make decisions. And if you feel like you're owed a decision, escalate, escalate. Um, and that's, that's what the job's for. So um, I just wanted to uh, just chime in here because we got to wrap up. But um, first of all, Alex, I just wanted to thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, it's been such a pleasure talking to you as always and, and learning about your journey uh, at Airbnb and, and throughout your career. Uh, I think your advice was incredible. Um, for those of you guys uh, who did have questions, I want to make sure that a lot of these get answered. So I think a really great forum to do that is um, we're going to post a recording of this video uh, onto LinkedIn, both um, through Academy's channels as well as through the Design Leadership Forum channels. When we um, write uh, the post, feel free to write comments uh, under the video and and or put it on YouTube, either one, any place. And we'll do our best. Actually, likely LinkedIn will be the best place so that Alex will have easier access to answer the questions. Um, and yeah. um, you know, I'm sure he'd be happy to answer a few more, few more questions for you guys. Um, and then Alex, any um any things you want to make the audience aware of uh, about things you're up to today um that uh that they should know about? Um ooh, yeah, I hadn't thought about it. Uh yeah, I mean also, you know, feel free to reach out on Twitter. I still use Twitter uh, at Alexoid, but I'm at Alexoid also and I'm on posts that like delightful design only Twitter. Uh, but yeah, I'm also very excited that I'm um, I'm recording a weekly podcast called People versus Algorithms um, about patterns in media. And I think it's really important now because it's talking about uh, media, the internet advertising, but also the impact that AI is having on all this. And I think that... Uh, anyone in our industry should be paying attention to that. And I'm just about to hop into a recording for that. So checking that out would be great. And then uh, in anywhere between two to 12 years, I will have, I will be launching two video games. So we'll talk about that then because video games take a long time. <laughs> that is very, very cool. We actually just hosted a story or a panel discussion about how AI is impacting uh, the design industry, actually through the Design Leadership Forum. Uh, on Friday. So um, definitely very cool that you have a podcast focused on this very important topic of how AI is impacting media. Mm -hmm. um, this is amazing. Thank you so much, Alex. Um, you know, if anybody wants to get in touch with myself, um, you know, you guys can always um, add me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to chat about any of these topics as it relates to uh, growing your design teams. Of course, I speak to many leaders like Alex. I have a lot of good uh, best practices that I've personally learned along the way. And um, Alex, is there any way that um, people can follow you? You, I think you had mentioned Twitter is probably the best place to uh, to kind of follow some of your your dialogue. Yeah, yeah or, or Alex at uniant.com, uh, U-N-I-E-N-T, -E that's for universalentities.com or, or via the website. That's great. 
Amazing. Great. Well, thank you all so much. I really appreciate it. 